This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. It's great to see you this morning. I hope you guys are having a wonderful time. We'll forget about the rain that's out there while we're in here. It's been a, a fantastic time. Last night was just an amazing time with God. Just an amazing time. I think it doesn't matter about the weather. When God comes, God comes. And we, we believe that God is with us this morning. We're going to hear from God this morning. So my name is Graham. I'm part of the Christ Central team. And we're going to hear from Josh and the team from Sweden this morning. And then towards the end, I'm going to be interviewing John and Elizabeth. And you'll, so you'll find out a little bit about their story as well. There are some Swedish sweets that have been making their way around. There are some here. There are also some more elsewhere. Oh, they're over there. Because if you haven't had any of those yet, we'll make sure we uh, try and get one of those to you later. So yesterday we had three guys from the Go Zambia team, and I failed miserably to tell you what their names were. So just in case you were here yesterday, we had Natalie, Matt, and Torin. In fact, Torin's sitting there now. Uh, I'm sure you've probably forgotten what they even look like now, but there you go. We've introduced them a day too late. Okay, so I'm going to hand over to Josh, and uh, he's going to lead us through the rest of the morning. Thank you. Okay, if you have not tried the uh, salty sweets, you have to try them before you leave. I will stand at the door, and you will not be allowed to leave until you've tried one. The, uh, the first time I tried one, I was not aware that the coating was salt. I thought it was just a normal sugar coating like a sweet would be. And I almost threw up in front of my then-girlfriend, so it was tough. I think I had the whole of her family around me, and I was like, <laughs> choking it down. Um, okay, so my name is Josh, and just to say it's absolutely fantastic to be here. Uh, I've come over with a, a small group of us from Gothenburg, uh, and a few of them are going to share um, briefly. They will be leaving halfway through the seminar. And the reason for that is not because they disagree with what I'm saying, This doesn't happen every... Maybe it is. Uh, But they're going to be catching a plane back to Sweden. So we literally... uh, We're literally here. We have four four of the team are literally just here. The the only full day they were here was yesterday. Um, Flew in Friday night and flying back today. So literally a super quick visit. But I I know that they absolutely love coming over, that they love uh, being in this sort of setting... It's so encouraging. We're, we're a small church plant in a foreign nation, um, and we really, we really miss things like this. And so can I encourage you, for people who live in England, get along to things like this, like what you do in the local area and also within Devoted, which is more churches gathered together. Get along to these things. They're so faith-building. They're encouraging. They're equipping. You just feel sent out. And so we love coming to them. So they'll, they'll be leaving... Uh, uh, halfway through in about half an hour, 20 minutes. Okay, so what, uh, what we're going to do over the next 45 minutes approximately is just some real practical information and stuff about what it looks like going to a different nation. I was here uh, both on Friday and yesterday on Saturday and both of the seminars have been so practical and so helpful in terms of, okay, this is actually what it looks like. Because you, 
if you've not been and you're thinking, I'm going to be going, it can be hard to think, okay, what does it actually look like? What does it actually mean to go to a different nation? And so what we'll, what we'll do today is really, I'm just going to, we'll look at some practical stuff. We'll hear some stories from some of the team um, who were living in the UK and then felt the call to go to Sweden. Um, and we'll also be hearing a little bit about the culture of Sweden. What is Sweden like from a real life Swede? Ooh. It's true. Um, so first of all, why? Why did I decide to move to Sweden? I come from a city called Lancaster, and I was living there with my wife, and we were, we were comfortable. We had, both had full-time employment. Uh, she was a teacher. I was working for the church. We had an apartment. I don't say flat anymore, because if I say flat in Sweden, it's more American English, and they're like, flat? What on earth is a flat? You lived in a flat? What's a flat? So... We had an apartment, um, we had friends close, I was part of a football team, my parents, her parents were just up the road an hour and a half away, so not, not too close, but close enough, you know, just the right distance. Um, and, you know, and we had, we had a, a comfortable life. Um, but then one day, I got on a plane, uh, uh, just so, I, I never used to be an emotional guy, but for some reason, like, I've become emotional. I don't know what's happened. Something to do with God. Naughty. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I got on a plane. I moved with not knowing where I was going to live. By this time, my, my wife moved over a month earlier. Um, my, my wife is in Sweden. We've just, had a four, we've just had a baby. So he's four weeks old. He has no name at the moment. We try an Oscar, uh, but you get three months in Sweden, and we're planning on using all those three months to call him baby. Um, and I have another son called uh, Freddie, who's two and a half, and so they're at home. But she moved over a month before me, um, and when I got on that plane, I had a single ticket. First time I've ever bought a single plane ticket. Uh, we had, yeah, no apartment, nowhere to live. I had no work. Um, I couldn't speak the language. I was saying goodbye to friends, which was extremely, extremely difficult. Um, the, sun, <laughs> the Sunday, in Ke- I also was working in church in Kendall, and the Sunday I was preaching before I was leaving, which was a terrible idea. And basically the preacher was this. <laughs> for 45 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a bad idea. But it was incredibly difficult to say goodbye to friends, saying goodbye to family, um, I was going, and why, why would I leave all the safety behind to go to a place where I didn't have anything, apart, literally apart from my wife? It's because God loves the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God loves the world, and he's interested in the nations. And... So it's only a very, very, very small sacrifice in packing up some bags and saying goodbye to some friends and some families because God loves the world. And actually the sacrifice that he made was that he sent his son. And that sacrifice is a thousand times more than any sort of sacrifice I could ever make. God loves the world. And so why 
church plant, why go to Sweden? Really, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I like, like keeping it simple. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And so I felt it's time to go. And it re- really was that, that simple. There was, there was a calling in my life to go, to go to the nation of Sweden. Sweden is a country, and we're going to learn a little bit more about the culture in just a minute. Um, but there's a Telegraph article that I read a couple of, couple of weeks ago. It's a 2018 sort of like um, report about the world's least religious countries. And out of all the countries in the world, Sweden is number four. So it's right up there in terms of uh, godless, a- atheist. A lot, a lot of people will believe that the Bible is a fairy tale. That, you know, that we've, we've all agreed, we all understand, we, we know that the Bible isn't true, that the story about Jesus, it's, it's not true. And it's almost like we moved past that, so it's post that. And yeah, so it's an incredibly... Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a country that there's, a, there's not so many Christians. And so I know that God loves the world. He doesn't just love certain countries where the church is flourishing. He loves the world. And so it was time to, yeah, time to introduce people to God, to Jesus. And so that's why, that's why we went. Um, how God spoke to me, I'm going to briefly share my story, very briefly, and I'm definitely not going to cry, so you'll be okay, you'll be happy to hear that. Um, my story is this, at North, uh, about six years ago, uh, North, if you're not aware, it is devoted with a different title, and a bit of muddier camping ground, <laughs> um, God gave me two words. I was working in a school, like an emotional behavior difficulty school, a specialist school, um, and I was working a lot of weekends. Uh, and so I was, at, like, I was in and out every other weekend. I wouldn't be at church. I wasn't really able to get involved with a small group. And, so, and God gave me two words at North. One word was priorities. And this is, the, uh, this is definitely the clearest I've ever heard God speak. One word was priorities. Um, and that was, some, that was like a now word. And I stopped working for the school and started working for the church. Um, but the, sec- just, the second word was Sweden. And God just absolutely broke my heart for the nation. Absolutely broke my heart. Um, I, I am married to a Swede. I had been to Sweden on holiday. It is a nice country. It's a beautiful country. It's an amazing country. And I, I really enjoyed going there for holiday. But my future was in England. In fact, before my wife and I got married, we had the conversation, because obviously two different nationalities, we had the conversation about, okay, well, what if you want to go to Sweden and I want to stay in England? And we both decided we are not going to Sweden. Which is always dangerous to say something like that, because... <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, and so God just gave me this word, Sweden, and... My, my heart just broke. It, it really just broke. And yeah, and it still does. Because the nations need the gospel just as much as the UK needs the gospel. God, I, I thought worship today was just amazing. Just seeing those kids 
I've got, as I said, a two and a half year old and like hearing the word of God, kids, hearing the word of God, it's amazing. Like I was, I was going to say I put a tear to my eye, but you're thinking that's pretty usual for this guy. Um, but it was, it was, it was amazing. And uh, my heart is for the nation of Sweden and the nations for kids to be able to start hearing the word of God, the voice of God and telling their friends. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Seeing people get saved, becoming a child of God, being able to all stand together, raise up and say, I am a child of God. Um, so yeah, he, bro- he absolutely broke my heart for, for Sweden. But after that, it was not next day, hop on a plane, let's go to Sweden. It probably took me four years from the, that clear clear word of God before I got on a plane and went to Sweden. And that's what I'd call the preparation phase. That is the phase that is really, really important. Um, it's important to remember that if God's speaking to you about a nation, um, that b- before you get there, there's things to do where you are. And so for, for me, that meant getting involved in church leadership, uh, I was part of a a leadership team in Kendall uh, and also part of a church plant leadership team in Lancaster. And that was a preparation phase for me for what I would be doing in Sweden. And without that time, uh, it'd be extremely, extremely difficult. I I was very naive um, when I first started talking about Sweden. I was like, oh yeah, me and my wife, we've heard from God, we're going to go. It doesn't matter if there's... It can just be me and, me and her. We'll start a church. It's going to be amazing. Uh, the reality is that you need to prepare. Um, so for, uh, for me, gathering a small team, we didn't have a massive team, but we had an amazing small team. Gathering that team has been absolutely fundamental and incredibly valuable. Um, but also just preparing in terms of, for, for me, okay, I'm going to go and lead a church plant. Well, then getting involved with the leadership of a church plant. So whatever you're thinking, okay, God is speaking to me about this, well, can I encourage you, even when you're still in the UK, start thinking, okay, well, how can I, if I'm going to be doing that in, in four years or however long it is, what can I do now to affect that future? Super, super important. Hudson, Hudson Taylor, uh, I think he became a Christian when he was 17, and that, that was when God spoke to him about the nations, but he didn't go directly. He took a few years of preparing. So prepare so, so important. Uh, okay, I'm going to invite my first uh, team member up. It's Chloe. Please come up. Give her a whoop whoop. Um, so what, what I've asked uh, a couple to do is just to share really, really practical about how we got from preparation phase to living in Sweden. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Chloe, and uh, I've been in Sweden for just over a, uh, four years now, in Gothenburg. Uh, Josh has asked me this morning just to say a little bit about how I got out there and sort of the practicalities. So four years ago, I was living in Cumbria in the north of England, beautiful place. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, part of a fantastic church, King's Church Cockmouth. Whoop, whoop. And I uh, had a great job. I'm a primary school teacher. Uh, love my job, love my church. Uh, like Josh said, actually, I was very comfortable. Um, 
And then I felt God uh, beginning to stir my heart for church planting. Uh, I wasn't, to be honest, I actually wasn't sure where. Uh, I had a few places that were really on my heart. Sweden was one of them, but at that point, I didn't actually feel very clear about that. There was lots of different places, well, not lots, there was a few different places I felt very excited about that were on my heart. Um, and I thought, okay, what am I going to do about this? Uh, I can't go to all of them. So I just started praying and praying and praying and saying, God, make it clear, where, where do you want me? Um, and it, it, to be honest, it still wasn't actually super clear. So I thought, okay, I need to start pushing open some doors. So as I said, I'm a primary school teacher. I love my job. I'm passionate about teaching, passionate about educating children. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I love my job. Wherever I'm going to go, I want to go into a teaching position. So all these places that I felt uh, God had put on my heart, I started applying for jobs there. Um, and sort of <laughs> over time, I started getting rejections, uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, I don't deal very well with that, so that was hard. Um, but to be honest, that, that part of that, that time, that waiting period was very difficult, actually. It was discouraging. I felt I was pushing doors and they were getting slammed back uh, in my face. Uh, and it was a time of just real reflection, real prayer, real questioning. God, is this right? Am I supposed to go? Should I stay here in Cockermouth? Uh, and just really, uh, just coming again and again before God and saying, where do you want me? Um, anyway, one of the, uh, so Josh is actually uh, my brother. Uh, so Josh uh, and Nina had spoken to me about Sweden for a while. And I'd been like, okay, well, I'll, I'll have a look and I'll see if there's any jobs there. And there actually weren't. There's three English-speaking schools in, in the city of Gothenburg. I looked at all three of them. One in particular I really, really liked, and I thought, that's a fantastic school. Uh, but there actually weren't any jobs available there. But I thought, I'll send off my CV, and I'll see what happens. And I just said, God, if this is right, just make a way for me here. Um, please provide. Um, and then didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything, and it was actually getting to the end of the school year in England. So it was May, May uh, half-term, and we'd gone on a family holiday to Scotland. And uh, Nina, Josh's wife, my sister-in-law, she said to me, oh, did you ever hear uh, from uh, any of the Swedish schools? And I said, oh, no. I said, to be honest, Nina, I've, I've given up all hope, actually. There wasn't a job. I just sent it off. I don't even know if anyone's read my CV. Um, so she said that to me. The very next day, I got an email from the head teacher of the school that I'd really, really liked in Gothenburg, saying to me, uh, we've just had a position become available to start this August. Can I interview you? And so the next day, he phoned up and interviewed me. We Skyped. Um, and it was the most bizarre interview I've ever had in my life. Like, teaching interviews in the UK is so highly competitive. It's like you've got a you know, panel, and you've got to teach, and then you've got to see the governors, and it's so, so, so harsh. And I was having this interview with this, this Swedish... Uh, well, it was actually English, but the head teacher of a Swedish school. And it was like he was trying to convince me. You know, it was like he was trying to... It's like, oh, yeah, you know, trying to really sell me this school. Uh, and I thought, what a bizarre interview, that's crazy. Uh, anyway, and then uh, as a family, as I said, we were away, and so we just really prayed about it. Sat down with Josh and Nina, uh, really prayed, you know, for this job. And then the next day, he phoned me up and he offered it to me. Um, and I can say it was the easiest yes I've ever said in my life, apart from getting married, darling. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so it was, you know, and it was, it was as I said, um, it was a very easy yes for me because it felt so, so clear. So that day, I phoned up my English head teacher, and I gave him a notice, which was pretty heartbreaking. I was very, very happy in that school. It was a dream school for me. But I so felt so strongly that this was the right thing for me to do. 
Um, and then over the course, basically, of the next six weeks, um, I got rid of my flat, I got rid of my car, uh, and I packed up all of my life in England, and six weeks later, I, I moved to Sweden. And then didn't really get a summer holiday, which is absolutely tragic if you're a primary school teacher, because we're, we're always used to our six weeks off. Um, and, and started teaching straight away in Sweden. It was a bit of a whirlwind. It, for me, the whole preparation phase, the waiting, the pushing, the rejection, that took time. Um, and God taught me a lot during that time. And then actually when I got my job and I started moving, it all went extremely quickly um, and was just amazing. And so I landed in Sweden and I thought, oh goodness, I am here now. This is uh, fun. And uh, sorry, can I keep just one more minute? Um, and so, <laughs> uh, you'll not get it back now. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm not going to talk to you about all the four years, but I can say this: it's, there's been some real highs, there's been some real lows as well. It's it's, it's very much roller coaster. The emotion runs in the family. <laughs> um, uh, but actually, God has taught me so much. It's a very steep learning curve when you go church planting in a foreign nation. Um, but actually, God is so good. He is so faithful. And he's provided in every single way, in every single uh, need he's met. Uh, this summer I got married to a, a, a scouser uh, who I met in Sweden, random. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, God is good, God is faithful. Okay, we're gonna, um, I'm a little bit aware of the time, and so I'm just going to call up a few people we're just going to go through the practical stuff um i hope you find it helpful in terms of hearing okay this is practically what it looks like for chloe i think you can sum up she was pushing doors and asking god which door you're going to open and he opened the one to mr uh, to this to the school okay alice do you want to come and explain how you moved to sweden Yeah, um, hi everyone, I'm Alad, um, I'm the Scouser, uh, aforementioned, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've got an accent, so, um, uh, I was uh, helping in a small church plan as out, out of a bigger church in Liverpool, and I was doing, uh, kind of working with their food bank, and um, uh, kind of doing FP on the side. If you know FP is the kind of theology year, gap year, where you work for church and you kind of go off to... to it was Newcastle at the time for training. Um, when uh, I kind of went to a prayer meeting and Josh was there sort of saying, hi guys, I'm going to move to Sweden and I'm kind of gathering a team. And I felt God say... I kind of felt like in my heart, I said, I'd love to do that. And then I kind of felt this call like, why don't you? And then I listed all of the reasons why that's absolutely ridiculous and I couldn't possibly. I've got no money. I, I didn't have, I'd, I'd, fit, I'd crashed out of a PGCE, um, completely kind of destroyed my confidence in all of this. And so I was like, no, can't be a teacher. I didn't have any qualifications. Um, I had nothing, had no money. My parents aren't Christians. They'd be furious and freaking out if I moved to Swedish, uh, Sweden or something like that. So I, I made up the list and Slowly but surely, during that FP year, the questions and the problems kept going away. Um, they kept getting answered. And the last one I had was, I don't know this guy as a leader. I don't know what church he was part of. I actually never seen him before this prayer meeting or since. Um, and I sort of kind of said, well, do you know what? I don't need to, um, you know, God, I don't know him. I don't how can I trust him to lead me? I'd had um, church leadership situations in the past that had been difficult for me. And it was a real big... Um, 
thing for me. Uh, and I'd said, God, you know, if you want this to happen, and I wrote this prayer down, um, if you want this to happen, then I need to spend like some time with this guy where he leads me um, and I can see what he's like. And I thought, pretty chuffed that that wasn't going to happen and I'd, I'd, I'd nailed that one in the coffin. Um, then I, I got on the train and I went to Newcastle for my FP training block and uh, they said, oh yeah, we need to talk about the overseas mission trip that you do as part of FP. Uh, you guys are going to go to Oslo. Oh, and Josh Bai is going to lead you uh, on your missions trip in Oslo for 14 days. Josh, come out. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh. So uh, that was how I knew that God was calling me to be part of uh, Good First and, and to come out and plant the church. At that point then, I said, well, I better give in. And I, I told Josh, Josh actually asked me if I would consider being part of the church plant. And I said, I'd pray about it. Uh, when we were in Oslo, I said, ooh, that's, that's a new one. I'll pray about it. Um, and then, um, and then I, I quickly said, uh, yes, I will. Uh, and they were going to go out the following summer. So I had a whole year um, to prepare. So I moved to Lancaster where Josh was um, help, part of that uh, church planting team and I, I just got a job and I got stuck in and part of that was to, to get to know uh, Josh and Nina as a couple, uh, anyone else that had joined the team and part of it and, and to get to know them and to sort of see what their vision and their heart for this church plant was uh, and also to be part of um, the church that was sending us was really important too. So for me that was part of my preparation as well, get some money and save up. Um, but I wasn't too bothered about that. I was pretty confident I'd just get a job um, as a, as like a, in a bar. So I got a bar job in Lancaster just to make sure I knew how to pull a pint. A shopping job, I thought, it'll be fine. Sweden, they all speak English. I can get one of those jobs. Uh, should I tell about how I moved out then? Yeah. Super quick. So I moved out, didn't get a job. And I didn't have a place to live, and it was really difficult. And I was actually... Um, unemployed uh, for about three months and uh, all little savings I had dwindling away and uh, some amazing stories of God's faithfulness where uh, I actually needed about 70 pounds to make that week's that month's rent and uh, I was like praying like God you know I need this money a friend emailed and said hey I worked really hard over the summer um, and I got a bit of extra cash can I send it to you and can you guess how much money was in my bank account that next day the, the exa- 70 pounds exactly so I was like whoa this is amazing uh, next month I'm thinking right well I get a job next month obviously so I'm going to hand in my CVs I didn't get a job that month so now I need the entire month's rent a friend said Alad I, I really feel I want to bless you can I ha- what what you need and I kind of at that point I broke down and said I'm really struggling I've got no money it's if I don't you know this he paid for everything. He gave me a month's rent and all of this. So I was really well provided for um, by, by God in that. And then eventually uh, a school emailed me and said, can you have a job? So, yeah, being faithful. So there's two different stories there. One, uh, someone having employment and moving over with employment. And some, the other one, someone... Basically moving over with absolutely nothing. He forgot to say he had no place to live, so he lived with me. I gave him a month. I said, you need to find an apartment within a month, which was quite harsh, but fair, I'd like to think. Um, and so, yeah, so he, he, yeah, so two completely different stories, but there's one thread that runs through it, which is that God is a faithful God. And there's something, something that we've learned, and I'll come on to talk about that in a minute. God is faithful, 
doesn't matter if you're going through good times or bad times. God is faithful. It's so important we hold on to that. Uh, next person. Okay, Becky. Shortly, Becky's briefly going to just talk to us, um, not about moving out there, but about uh, finding work and finding friends. <laughs> She's got lots. I've not got any, so I can't talk about it. That's the problem. Super. Um, yeah, really briefly, I'm just going to share about community and work. Um, so I was in Leeds before moving to Gothenburg and had a really good community there. Um, so before leaving, I was really, really praying that God would provide great community. Um, knew Josh and Nina and Alad and met Chloe just before moving. Um, so I moved over two months before the rest of the team to try and get a job and to enjoy the Swedish summer, which was wonderful. Um, so let me just have a look. Yep, so I moved there, didn't know anyone, was moved into this house with this family that I had just met, um, and through them, and uh, just going to different churches, anyone who would speak to me, I would be like, ooh, let's go for coffee, um, and I was like taking any opportunity of anyone talking to me to try and make friends, um, I'm someone that definitely needs communication with people, um, so that was like a really big, big thing for me, um, and so that was something that I did over the summer. Then the team moved, and that was great. But it's been really great getting to uh, grow community at work. I've had a couple of different jobs um, since moving, but it's just been great to to have community. And I think um, to to make friends, but also for them to see that there's something different with our church community, that there's a real love um, between us, and that there's something different, and that's been really um, cool to actually just share who like Jesus is um, with friends from work. Um, with work, um, I, like Alad, um, knew that I had about a year before I moved. I decided to stay in Leeds um, and worked and didn't really... Uh, so I knew that I wanted to work with children, didn't have enough time to do a PGCE. Um, so I moved over, didn't have a job for a month or two, didn't mind because it was about 30 degrees every day. And I live right next to the beach. So I'd apply for a job, go to the beach, apply for a job, go to the beach. It was great. Um, and likewise, I think one day a job was posted, next day I had an interview, and then the day after I started. Um, and really, God has just been amazing because I kind of moved out and I was like if I could get a job as a student assistant that would be fantastic it's what I got but I'm now going into my second year of actually being a teacher in grade one um, and I've been able to do my qualification um, long distance which has just been such I think God's just completely ex exceeded expectations of what um, he was going to do there and it's been amazing yeah So, so Becky's the pioneer. She was the first one on, on the ground in Sweden. Okay. Finally, before they rush off. Emil. I've asked... We're having a clap for Emil. <laughs> uh, I've, I'm just going to interview Emil, just briefly ask him a couple of questions. Uh, just what is Sweden like? Uh, so maybe do you want to introduce yourself first? Who you are and kind of where you're from in Sweden? Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, if I would say my name is Swedish, it would be Emil Brinte. That's, yeah, it's, it's a good name. I, I, my name's Emil. That's the easiest way to say it in English. And I'm from 
Stockholm is on the east coast. If you travel two hours south of Stockholm, that's where I was brought up, in a small town of 3,000 people. By beautiful, we have a lot of lakes in Sweden, uh, fresh lakes. It's, it's, yeah, close to nature, and that's where I'm from. Cool. Uh, okay, let's go for this. Can you describe a little bit about the culture of Sweden? What does, what does Sweden look like in terms of people? Yeah. Okay, so I think as Josh was just talking a bit about uh, the sense of Sweden is very much an enlightened country, like it's secular to the point of, I think you see some of it here, but we are 10, 20 years ahead of you. Um, but I would say it, it's a country of contrast, because even though we have, like the church is very much kind of put to one side and everyone's welcome but the, but the Christians, Kind of that's the general, like yoga is a huge thing, like spiritualism is, is, is huge, uh, mindfulness is huge, but not Christian uh, stuff. Um, but even that's the case, that, that like it's, it's uh, whenever I say to someone I'm a part of a church plant, it's like, what? Church plant? That's, and even a church is weird. Um, but even still, there's a sense of that people want to take care of each other. We have free schools. Uh, you don't have to pay anything. We have free healthcare, and there's so many benefits. Like I would say, the common grace of God for for everyone. There's a sense of I remember my dad talking about how much he pays tax, uh, and he was talking about the sense of solidarity that we want to. Uh, and he's not even, you know, he's not really you know following Christ, a disciple, but he, he believes in God. But he said, I want to bless people with my money. I want to make sure that even if I have a lot of money, I want to bless other people. So there's a sense of. I see a lot of, of God's heart in people, even if they don't know it. Uh, and whenever I start to, if I get a chance to speak to my classmates, w- when I talk about uh, kind of, as Christians, we're not perfect, but we have this sin issue. We all need God's grace. It's like that's news for them. They have never heard it. Like uh, this generation is growing up hearing nothing of God. And I heard some of it at school, but now that's all gone. Like there's no... No education whatsoever of God. So when it's, it's like, um, it's a missions field, really. It is. Um, people need to hear about God. For, for us Brits, uh, if you say Sweden, you probably think Switzerland, first of all. But then uh, when you realize it is Sweden, you think blonde hair, blue eyes, you think ABBA, you think meatballs, you think IKEA. <laughs> I wanted him to dye his hair for this illustration. Um, yeah, so blonde hair, blue eyes, ABBA, that sort of stuff. Is that, is that a reality of if you're going to be in the city of Gothenburg or perhaps in one of the suburbs, is that, is, has everyone got blonde hair, blue eyes? Is, that, is everyone singing Mamma Mia, <laughs> eating meatballs? <laughs> yeah. what, what does Sweden really like, look like? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think as Josh was asking me these questions earlier, I was like, I find it really hard to, to have a bird's eye view of my culture. I'm like, I'm, I'm in it, so it's like, I think Timothy Keller talks about that it's like being a fish in water, like it's just water. I don't know what it is. But I would say even the word is contrast because even though it looks like there's, um, it's, it's beautiful nature first and foremost. Like Sweden is, the seasons is so clear and defined. I love winter. I love going skiing and, and going ice skating. Uh, and then you have really nice summer. So you have a sense of the seasons. It's beautiful. I love that. Um, but we as a country have been taking in a lot of uh, new people from different cultures and, and countries. And we've been doing that throughout the decades. Um, 
And I would say in Gothenburg, I was talking to this Christian help aid organization. And there's certain areas in Gothenburg where, um, where police and ambulance and firefighters won't go into. Because uh, if they go into, people will throw stones at police cars and, yeah, basically try to start riots. So there's a sense of, even if you go to Gothenburg as a tourist, like it's beautiful, like close to the sea. It's wonderful, and people are really interested. Whenever I'm with Alan and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm from England, it's like, wow, that's interesting. Why are you here? Like, they're really interested. There's also a great sense of need, and really, the nations are in, Go- in Gothenburg, in Sweden. Um, and I-, I was hearing, and also, I would say there's so much things happening. I hear this church in Uppsala, they're helping, it's outside of Stockholm, they're helping a church plant in Egypt, and they're seeing amazing revival, like move, moves of God. And uh, I was helping at a, a Bible camp week, and uh, they were saying that we're praying for revival. Like we're, like, so there's a sense also that it's, it's refining the Christians that are in Sweden. Like there's a great need of, uh, not persecution, but uh, being put to one side, and, and uh, but we're not put to one side. We're hoping for God to move, and we're seeing that all over the country. And in Gothenburg, um, yeah. So, does that, yeah. It, it really is. I think what you said—a country of of contrasts, because it's very wealthy. People are doing well. Um, great healthcare. Great schools. And when Emil says school, it's not just primary school. It's all the way up to university. University is paid for. You do not pay. Um, so there's no one with student debt in, uh, in Sweden, which is amazing. Um, so it, oh, it looks really nice, but the reality is there's also this incredible contrast, um, and Sweden is really in need. It's in need of the gospel. It's in need of um, good churches telling people about Jesus. I, on the news just the other day, I turned it on, and there had been 100 cars set on fire at the same time in Gothenburg. Um, and that's three different areas in Gothenburg, 100 at 9 o'clock, were set, set alight, and that's, like, that's not really the picture you have of Sweden. Malmö, a, a, a city uh, south of Gothenburg, again, uh, is now the rape capital of Europe. And the, the, these aren't the pictures that you have. This isn't the ABBA, blonde hair, blue eyes sort of picture, like idyllic. There's, there's a reality that there's this real battle going on in Sweden. Super quick, because I know you need to go. Church, can you just tell us very briefly, um, sort of, what's, the, what's like the culture of the church like? What does the church look like in Sweden? Can you say that in one minute? <laughs> I'll try. Um, so I would say, start with the, the main um, religion for Christianity is, is Protestant Lutheran. Uh, so I think it was in the 1500s, 1600s. I'm not going to go from the, that history. But uh, Protestantism came to Sweden. Um, and that's just been there for, for, for a long time. Um, but now it's, um, again, what you see here in terms of perhaps, I don't know, following the culture in, in, uh, instead of following, obeying God's, God's word in the way you live, the way you, I don't know, choose to live your life is very much like advanced in Sweden. So, uh, for instance, there's, um, uh, I would say first and foremost, the, the view of church uh, I was living in London before I moved to, to, to Sweden, and, and that's the first time I was kind of I fell in love with the church. I saw that that's the bride of Christ. That's amazing. Uh, and I sort of loved that more than my family. That was weird. And I saw the same thing when I met Josh and, and, and these guys, that they loved the church. They had a high view of the church, and I was like, that's amazing. I want to I go for that. Um, 
But when I speak to other people, other Christians, they, it, it's a sense of, yeah, it's just a place you go. It's a, it's a community. It's, a, it's where we meet friends. Um, there's no sense of, like, we're a part of this big, amazing story of God saving people to himself, bringing people to himself. Um, yeah, so... It, it, yeah? Yeah. Thank you very much, Emil. Guys, feel free to leave. See you back in Sweden. Okay. So, just a few lessons. Uh, to sort of round up what I'm going to say. I think there'll be time. There's going to be another interview and then time for some questions if you have any. But some lessons. My first lesson is this. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. M- moving to a different nation, getting a heart for a different nation, uh, you, just, you just need to come to the reality that you just need to like settle it in your heart that it's going to be tough. There's going to be a giving up of things, giving up of yourself, and, and that's not easy. That's not easy. Um, oh, there's a great quote. This is a fantastic book, by the way. Um, I've been reading it in Sweden, thinking, wow, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do that. Talks, um, I won't read the quote, but about Jesus gave up everything to enter our culture. And it is a real, there's a reality that we, we, need, we, need to, we need to give up everything to enter a different culture. And, that's, and that is tough. So it's going to be tough, I'm sorry to say. But it's just a bit of reality. It's also going to be great. It's... I could spend literally hours telling you about the faithfulness of God. And it it really is just amazing. It's such a privilege to be caught up in, in, in God's big story. And to be able to say, we prayed for that. We saw God come through on that. God is faithful. And there's, there's just been some incredible, like, just, like, like, such amazing stories. We've seen people saved. So we've seen people who literally, um, there's a lady here uh, in a different seminar uh, who literally didn't know the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. She'd never heard anything about Christianity. And then suddenly God just spoke to her in the car. And she, she, needed, she needed God. And it was amazing. And then, and then she, so she got saved and then she was like, Josh, I've been reading my Bible, and I need to get baptized, don't I? And I was like, yeah, you do. I should really be telling you that, but it's cool. You can tell me that. She knows more about the Bible than I do, and she's been a Christian one day. Uh, so it, it's going it, it, to be great. We've, we've, this, this summer, we've seen two uh, young couples in the church plant get married, which, again, is an amazing privilege. And just to think that, actually, if we didn't move to Sweden as a team, then you know, that wouldn't have happened. And so we're part of their story as well. And it's a real privilege. So it's going to be great. Okay, it's going to be tough. Get that in your head. But it's also going to be great. Get that in your head. It's exciting. It's fun. Um, Prayer. This is probably the biggest, biggest lesson that I have learned um, since living in Sweden, is that you've got to pray. You've got to pray. And we've, again, we've just, the amount of times we've got a whiteboard at my house and we just write down things, okay, we need, accommodation is extremely difficult uh, to get in Sweden. Uh, Becky, who 
she spoke about work and friends. She is going for a flat, an apartment viewing tomorrow morning, and there is 1,200 people interested in that one apartment. 1,200 people just for an apartment. So it's extremely difficult. It's crazy to get accommodation. So when Alid went out and I said, you've got a month to live in my house, like, <laughs> it was tough for him to find a place. Um, but when we pray and when we put things on the whiteboard like accommodation and like names so for example the lady who got saved her name was on that whiteboard and we see God come through on it it's just it's so faith building and so exciting and it's not like God doesn't answer every prayer but when he does, it's like, wow, this is amazing. We've been part of this. We've partnered together with God, and we're changing lives, one life at a time in Gothenburg, through things like accommodation, work, finances, bank accounts. It is impossible to get a bank account in Sweden. Just crazy things like that. You need to pray. You need to ask God, please help me here. So prayer has been, yeah, a massive lesson. Uh, my next lesson, uh, which I have already said a few times, is this. God is faithful. So when you take, when you're going through something, it's very, it can be difficult to see God in it. But when you've gone through it, and you take a look back, you realize, oh yeah, no, God was in that. He is faithful. And so I, I, now, I, I now even approach prayer with a different mentality. I know that God, one way or another, is working things out for the good. And the faithfulness of God, like I've just seen again and again and again and again. It is tough. And there are some really, even now there's some tough things going on in, the, like, in my life, in the church. But I know that like, even though I can, look at the prob- I can look at the Goliaths, but actually God is faithful. He is faithful. And I need to, I, I need to get, a, I thought what Jeremy brought yesterday was brilliant. I need to get a better perception of who God is. God is the king. He is the king. And so of course he's going to be faithful. He can, do, he can do anything. He really can. He can, he can move mountains. That's, that's the God that we worship. That's the God we come before. That is the God who goes with us as we go out into our foreign nations. God is faithful and is powerful. Uh, yeah, a real practical one. Things take time. Be prepared for things to take time. Okay, so if you're thinking perhaps about joining a church plant or even leading a church plant or joining a business or leading a business, it takes time and you, just, you need to settle that in your heart as well. We, we, you know, we landed, we couldn't speak the language, we didn't have housing, uh, bank account. That just takes time to sort out. And it's important to take that time to sort those things out, to learn the language, to, to get a house. It's kind of important to have a house. Um, Sweden is a country where they speak very good English, but you, we still want to... The heart language of Sweden is Swedish. And so we, I'm trying my best to learn Swedish, and I'm reasonably good. The problem with Swe- in Sweden is that Swedes are so good, they want just to talk to you in English. Because it's like you wouldn't... I mean, you heard Emil. He's Swedish, but you can't really tell he's Swedish. They're, they're all as good as he is. But, you know, I'm trying to learn. So, so settle it. It takes time. And that is okay. I just want to pick up on something that Lee and Stacey said on uh, Friday as well. If you're not going, um, encourage others. 
that are going. You, you do not know how encouraging it is to receive encouragement. There you go, that's a quote there, isn't it? It, is, it, it, it really does mean the world to small church plants or small businesses who are going as perhaps just a family, perhaps an individual, perhaps a small team. Encourage them. That's, that's, what, that's why we're, uh, it's one reason why we're part of a family of churches. We join together. And so that means people go, but it means the people who stay also get to join and one way you can do that is by encouraging. So feel free to encourage us in Gothenburg, but encourage. Pray as well. There's lots of things you can do if you're staying. Um, okay, my final practical point um, is that there's cultural tension. Uh, you need to understand that you're brought up in a certain way, in a certain country, and you're used to doing things like you do them and going into a different country a different culture even one that's not actually too far away a couple of hours on a plane still in Europe it's, it's a different culture and so there are things that you, I'm used to as a Brit that all of a sudden it just yeah it's just very different and so there are cultural tensions there are times when you think why are you doing it like that what, what on earth are you saying and you can almost start to take it personally it's not personal it's just different we don't have it perfect. They don't have it perfect. We just need to learn to get into their culture. Um, so one thing, for example, British people are extremely, extremely polite. Okay, if, if, if I was to, you know, you know, if I was to bump into someone, the person I'd bump, would bump into would say, oh, excuse me, I was standing in your way. And, like, you know, we're extremely, extremely polite. In Sweden, it's, it's not like that. But, there's no, there's no word for please in Sweden. So you don't say please, you just say, can you give me that? And that's, there's, that's nothing wrong with that, but it's just understanding that it's different. They're not, they're not being rude when they say, can you give me that? It's just different. And so you need to, you need to understand that there's cultural uh, tensions. So, yeah, I mean, so for me, just a really small one that, like, I've, I, do, like, I do struggle with, especially when I'm tired. I have a four-week-old child. I'm tired at the moment. Um, is when I go shopping, people will just bump into you. They'll just, you know, they'll just knock you out of the way, and there, there will be nothing said. There wouldn't be, even from anyone. No sorry, nothing. It's just move on. It's almost as if you're not there. And, and again, it's not, people aren't trying to be rude. That's not why they do it. It's just a different culture. And so understand that. Get that in your heart. Okay, there's cultural tensions. We don't have it perfect. They don't have it perfect. Um, yeah, and it's about entering into that culture and becoming part of it. Uh, so just a few, oh, a few of the practical things. It's going to be tough. It's going to be great. Pray. God is faithful. Be prepared for things to take time. Don't get frustrated. Trust God. He is faithful. Encourage others. Even if you go as a small team, encourage each other when you're over there. But if you're staying, encourage others. Um, yeah, and it's a different culture. So you're going to see different things. So, so exciting just to, to hear what's going on in other nations, but also to feel part. So actually, what Josh is doing is part of us. 
So I'd encourage you all to have a holiday in Gothenburg and while you're there to uh, see what God says to you. So part of the reason for interviewing other people is also for you to get a sense that as well as God calling us to go to places to live, God also calls us to go to places to do mission, as we were hearing yesterday for a couple of weeks. And God also gives opportunity to go to places for short periods of time. So today we're going to interview John and Elizabeth. So would you like to come up? And John and Elizabeth went to Ontario for two years, two and a half years. Okay, so we're going to find out a little bit about their experience. So firstly, guys, how did you come to go to Ontario? Okay. Firstly, it's not all about the young, you see. It's not all about young people. And it's, it definitely wasn't on my agenda to go to Canada when I retired. I thought, yeah, I had it all planned out what I was going to do, but God had other plans. It was, it was north again. North, we were at north three or four years ago, and we were sitting in the, in the audience, and there was a couple on the stage from Toronto, or Toronto, I should say, and they said, look, we're looking for mature couples to come to Canada. We thought we qualify on one account, at least on that. And God just, you know, when sometimes God goes into you. And he did it for both of us at the same time. It was a definite, it was the most clear thing God has ever said to me, I think. And so we, we explored and uh, went to Canada a few times. Josh's dad was very instrumental in that, Roger Bai. Uh, we took a few trips there to explore and uh, eventually, what was that, 18 months ago, we... Uh, we, we moved to Peterborough, or Peterborough, not Peterborough, as we say, Peterborough, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, the reason two years, you think, well, why two years? But in actual fact, God did speak to us both clearly about it would be for a season. And he also spoke very clearly from Joshua. Um, can you just take that bit of paper? Mm-hmm. From Joshua 1, um, really, which, which actually... Um, sort of outlines what God wanted us to do there. And he says, you are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land. So it was very, very clear that it was for a season. And um, at the same time, though, it was still quite difficult to leave family and and friends. Um, but, um, But the fact that God said, you know, go for a season... Um, go and strengthen your brothers. And that was a very clear call for us. So I guess the next question for us is, what, what did you do when you got there? Yeah. Right, the first thing, I mean, we didn't go with an agenda and we didn't go with a ministry. Um, we don't preach or lead worship or anything like that. Um, we've always been uh, servers in the church as much as we can do. And so we, we went out with the, the thought that we, we'll just go and serve and encourage and strengthen wherever we can. And we also did a lot of hospitality, which for Canadians was quite a new thing. And we just had members of the church around uh, every Sunday uh, evening time, and we, we fed them all. And there were times when we had 16 people around the table. There were seven nations there. And so we, we just, that was the way we did it. We, we made friends, and we, we did a lot of hospitality. Yeah, and towards the end of our time there, God uses the talents that he's given you, doesn't he? And they, um, running a church in Canada is much more difficult than running a church in England. You need, it's almost running like running a business. You need a board of directors and all sorts of stuff like that. Well, I had a business of my own before I retired, and I was co-opted as, as, a, as a director. And in that time, Revenue Canada, which was like the HMRC, 
decided they were going to audit the church. Right? So they came, and I was on the board, and they came back with this report of what needed doing. And uh, fortunately, my wife has always done bookkeeping uh, and accounts and administration, so she... Uh, you do this bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had a month to put everything right, um, and uh, so um, and they needed a manual for the uh, whoever kept the books had to have a manual. So I wrote them a manual, and I taught this guy about audit trails and about good accounting practices and about filing and things like that. So the things that God had done in our lives, the things we were involved in before we went to Canada, he just used them. So it was the easiest thing in the world to be there and just to do the things that, that, that we had done um, in, in England. And also then I, I, we were involved with a, a group of churches in Ontario and they were linking in with, with Christ Central and uh, starting a school of leadership. And so um, I was asked to help the admin for school of leadership in Ontario, which I'm still doing back in England now. So, <laughs> yeah, so... So actually your work for Canada hasn't actually finished, has it? Because you're still... So what were some of the, the practical challenges and some of the sort of the joys of, of your time out there? Um, shall I go on? Yeah. Um, well, the practical challenges, obviously, is, is the financial cost because we were not funded, and so it does require, you know, a big outlay with, with airfares and uh, accommodation and things like that. And we moved the dog as well, but that was our choice. So, um, But we weren't going to leave her behind. So there was leaving family and packing up and finding accommodation. And I think one of the, the, the things that, that shocked me most, really, was actually realising that we were the immigrants and we had no status. And, you know, when you think you're British, you know, you're sort of... <laughs> you have this sort of, you know, feel of, well, we're British, you know, we're all right. But suddenly we became the immigrants with no status, and that was quite a shock to the system. Um, you know, setting up um, bank accounts and things like that was not difficult, but uh, because we had no credit reference there, no, we weren't even employed, uh, there were certain things we couldn't do. We had to pay cash for virtually everything, so, yeah. Yeah, as, as I say, there's all, there is all the practical side of it. We, we had to sort of rent our own house out and pack up all our stuff and put it into storage and uh, rent a house like that. And God was very faithful in finding accommodation. You know, the thing is, you can see these... The internet's amazing. You can see these places on the internet, but what you don't know is what part of town they're in. It could be in some seedy area, you know. And uh, fortunately, we uh, established a contact on our couple of visits there prior, and so she, this lady was able to suss out where we went and then... I saw one on the internet, and there's something called, like eBay, called Kijiji there, which which you can find anything on. And I saw this apartment, not a flat, apartment, out out there, and uh, she went to see it and said, no, it's okay. And I rang the estate agent in Canada, said, no, it's gone, but I've got something coming up. And it was just amazing. We had this three-bedroom house with a garage uh, and a deck and and a yard, yes. I roll my R's now, yeah. <laughs> and so the accommodation was... And we had some wonderful neighbours, some great neighbours, a real lovely lady who, uh, from the Dominican Republic who couldn't read or write, had been there a long time, had three grown-up kids, and in the end she started coming to church with us. And we hadn't said anything to her. It was some emotional relationship crisis, and she ended up coming to church, and she's still going on with God. So, yeah. Yeah, um- she was brilliant. She would say, I bring you a burger. And we would get burgers and sausages and pudding and all sorts of things. So she, it was wonderful. But they, we had a lot of fun. 
We had a tremendous amount of fun. It was, and we, we had a picture given to us that it was going to be like going down a banana slide. It was going to be great fun. And we did have a lot of fun. We made some wonderful friends. And, I mean, it was just such a privilege to be there and just to encourage and strengthen the church as much as we could. So I guess the last question would be, what advice would you give to anyone here who is thinking, well, perhaps I could go to another nation? Um, I'm sure Lee and Stacey would love people to say Mexico as they're sitting. I can see them sitting there. Anybody wants to go to Mexico, talk to them afterwards. I'm sure they love to have you. What advice would you give to people who think, well, I've got a year, two years. What could I do? I think the first thing I say definitely is be sent. You know, know that God's sent you. And be in agreement as a couple. Don't try and persuade the, the other. God has to speak to you both individually. And um, get the church to back you up, pray for you. We had a very good sending off. And we had various words and prophecies and such like, and they were taped. And when you're struggling a bit, when you're out there, play them back. Listen to them. Encourage, they encourage you and say, yeah, God said this. You know? So that's, uh, that's one, one of the things. You want to play? Yeah, do your homework, spy out the land, um, and, and make sure you've got enough time to pack up home before you leave. Um, and when you get there, um, observe a lot, help a lot, say little, and let God use you in any way that comes to hand. And go and bless the nations. And if you go to Canada, make sure you take something for mosquitoes. But just a word about Ontario. Um, there are about eight churches trying to gather together um, into Christ Central. Um, and all of them have come, are all independent. And so there's not a lot of DNA. There's not a lot of, of, of seed planting out there with, with Christ Central New Frontiers. So it's all new to them. So, you know, to go out and strengthen those churches, to take out the treasures that you've got from being part of this movement and, and good teaching and go out and just encourage and strengthen and serve. And we, we had, it was so difficult to leave. We had some wonderful, wonderful friends out there. It was, and it was a privilege to be there. And we just thank the Lord for the opportunity of going. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I'm going to give the microphone back to, to Josh. In a moment, you can ask all your questions uh, of him. One thing I've noticed today is that Almost pretty much everyone we've, we've, uh, that has been interviewed has come out of the north of, of the north of the north, Cumbria. See, Cumbria obviously has a heart for sending. So I'm sure a lot of us here are not from Cumbria. Uh, let's, let's get into our DNA and our churches and our regions a heart for sending. There are opportunities out there to go places. There are opportunities to go. When I was in my 20s, I did missions to other parts of the world, particularly into the Netherlands. I also wrote to a church. We had a visiting speaker, for those who remember Downs Bubble Week back in the 80s, had some Americans. I'd finished a year team. I wrote to the church and said, can I come out and see what it's like? And I had people put me up for a month. See, that, we can do that with a church. People will have us, and I said, there's so many opportunities out there, so I would encourage you to take the opportunities that you have to, to get involved in other nations. Josh. Yeah, is there any questions on anything that's been spoken about this morning? Dropping like flies.
I'm just wondering if you can say something about reverse culture shock. So when you come and visit UK, visit family and friends, how you manage um, the tensions that come with that and if that's an issue for you. So to be completely honest, I haven't really been back to the UK that much. Um, since I've lived there for four years and I've come back for a couple of leadership weekends um, and I've come back and I went, I've been one time back to my mum and dad's, uh, yeah, where they live for Christmas. Um, yeah, so I, and I only come for very short times as well. Um, so literally this weekend, it was a weekend a couple of months ago. Um, I think, so I don't really see that much is the, is the honest answer. It, well, I mean, the only thing that I notice is that kids are amazingly polite here. <laughs> and that's the one I'm like these kids are saying please thank you and you know can I have that please and so that is, that is, that is the one thing that I do notice um, but other than that like I'm just I'm just here on such flying visits that I really have it's one, one thing like I'd love to come back more but I'm just not, not able to at the moment Uh, Josh, I just want to do one of the things that you encourage us to do. I want to encourage you. Um, I'm from York City Church, and we've really like, benefited from partnering with you and praying for you and with you and linking up live on a Sunday and hopefully sending some wonderful people to you. And just want to encourage everyone else here, like, link up with one of these church plants around Europe, around the world. It will do the world of good. And um, I believe that God's like doing something in us in York and there'll be more people that will be sent to other places. And um, just another thing, I went to Oslo earlier on in the summer, went to a wedding there and I met some wonderful Christian people and they had to um, really try hard to convince me that that's not what the normal Norwegians are like. And I just, I think I just saw what the transformation of the gospel looks like in those cultures. Um, Maybe you can tell us a bit of a story about someone's life, how that was being transformed by the gospel, possibly. I, I can just explain, I guess, a little bit more about um, the lady who got saved. She's, a, she's actually English. Uh, she live, has lived in Sweden, I think, about 10 years. Um, as I said, she had absolutely no understanding of anything Christian. She got brought up um, in, in a tough situation. Um, and then God met her, and now it's just it's just really really incredible. She's um, I think she said to me, I don't want to be one of those people that becomes a Christian but then just fades away. I really want to get stuck in. And I thought that's so encouraging, so amazing. Like she's really a disciple of Jesus, and it's just brilliant. Like she's reading her Bible. She's um, she lives out on an island, so Gothenburg is on the west coast, and it's there's a few just amazing, beautiful islands, um, and she lives out there. So she's not always able to get into sort of like, prayer. like she always comes on a Sunday, and she, you know we meet for fika and stuff during the week, but she's not always able to come. But when she does, she's she just she clearly loves loves God, and just the, the transformation of someone knowing nothing to being a one hundred percent disciple of Jesus is just amazing. The gospel is powerful; it's transformative. It literally just changes lives. If you have friends in your life that you think they're too far away from God, they're not. They're not. We're all. I'm sure we're all sort of like a proof of that, evidence of that. God can reach, touch, change. Absolutely, absolutely everyone.
How do you react to uh, hostility uh, like against the church or against you personally as like a foreigner from another place? Uh, it's tough. Uh, I mean, I ha- it's tough. There's people, and this, this is not just in the UK, um, just in Sweden. This is, of course, in churches all around the world. There's people that sort of like disagree with leadership, and so within the church, there's people that would sort of say, you know, I think what you're doing is wrong, and you know, people even leave, and it's like, and that that's that's tough. Like, there's there's no like, yeah, don't sugarcoat it. Um, I will salt coat it like those sweets. It, it is tough. Um, and so you just got like, I spoke at Amplify on Friday and just spoke about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And knowing the promises of God are so, so important when you go into a situation that you think is impossible. So knowing that God is good, knowing that he is in control, knowing that he has a plan, knowing that Jesus said, I will build my church. That means that when tough things happen, because they will, they do, and they're going to, and they have, then you know, actually, now there's promises that are a lot bigger than the situation. Jesus will build his church. What do you as a church need right now? What's on your wish list? What do you need praying for? Thank you. I'll give you your £10 later for asking that. Uh, okay, prayer is like absolutely fundamental. Please do pray for us. Pray for growth. We're, we're, as I said, we've been there for four years. Um, we meet. It's hard to know exactly how many we have, perhaps somewhere between 30 and 40, which is great, and we're really starting to get a little bit of momentum, but we are still extremely fragile. A couple of people leave. It can be completely different. So do please pray for growth, and that's not just... Uh, yeah, pray for laborers. So that's one way, like Christians. People, um, I think it was John or Leslie said, in a diff- like, it's weird, planting in different nations, people don't have the New Frontiers values. And so it's like, it's, this is another thing that takes time. You need to teach into literally everything. What does serving look like? Because in Sweden, there's someone who's paid and they do the serving. They do everything. I come to church to be served. Um, and so praying for people who have the, the values, the DNA of Christ Central, of New Frontiers, that, hey, I want to get in there and serve. I want to, you know, give financially. I, you know, I understand what worship is like, prayer is like. Um, so laborers, um, salvation. So laborers and salvation, two things to pray for. Um, finances. We, we need finances. I've just started working three days a week for the church. Uh, and two days I work in a school um, f- for naughty kids, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, so, um, but we don't quite have the money to be able to support me. So it's a step of faith. It's not like an outrageous step of faith. We do have some money, um, but we need, we need more. And so do pray that God sort of like comes out on that. I, I'm in what, because I know that God is a faithful God, I know that he is going to come through. Um, but that's, that's a real practical thing. Um, yeah, that's two things that would be cool. And yeah. Um, 
do you feel before you go out and I am looking at going out and I, I'm on the roads to going um, mine is Africa I'll be going to Africa um, do you feel there's any specific training that you need like leadership I've got no leadership co colleague I've got nothing do you think that would be a good idea to look at what do you think about things like that Yeah, like definitely. You, I would. It depends what you're going to do. So for me, I was going to plant a church. So I helped plant a church in England, um, and th that is f absolutely fundamental. In Sweden, there's. It's really difficult planting churches. Um, it's not just in Sweden, but it's really difficult. And so I, I know of a number of churches in Sweden that have failed. Um, church plants that have failed. And I think part, of course, not the whole reason, but I think part of the reason is lack of training. And so for me, I wanted to get, you know, I'm not going out there with all the answers, but at least some of the answers in terms of this is how you plant a church. Uh, yeah. 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 So de depending on what you're thinking about doing is really depends on what training. Um, so get alongside, I don't know if it's a business, and obviously people who spoke yesterday, wh whatever it is, I think you just need to try and find, okay, how can I get best trained uh, and equipped to su support myself in what I will be doing? So yeah, definitely go for it and pray. Cool, I think, yep. Before we finish, I think it'd be good to pray for Josh and the guys. Lee, would you like to come out and pray for, for Josh? I think it'd be good to stand together. Now, we're in this together. We've sent Josh. It's great to lift our voices, and Lee's going to pray. Thank you. Okay. This. this actually, if I can say this, is a huge privilege to be able to pray for Josh. I've known Josh since he, he was a a little, little boy, and the journey that he'd been on, and to see what God's done with him up to this point, and what God's doing with him. I'm not his dad, but I'm kind of like an adopted dad, because Roger and I are really good friends. I'm very proud of him, and very proud of what, kind of like how he's responded, and to see him up here in the way that you've shared. Well done. It's really cool. And I want to, can I, I want to say this, I felt to say this, um, when God got a hold of Josh in a very real way was when Roger came out to one of our events like this called Fiesta. And he got a hold of Josh as well as Chloe at a different time. So even if you go to a different place for even a short-term amount of time with your family and kids, you would be amazed when you put yourself in situations how God will move upon your own heart the heart of your family, your children in ways that you will never imagine. So for me to sit here today and to be part of their story um, and see what God's done, it's a huge honor and a thrill. So thanks for allowing me to pray for him. So we do. Father, thank you. You are a wonderful, wonderful father. You are a wonderful God. Thank you that you uh, know the story of each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you are writing story and history. Uh, through each and every one of us here in the lives of every person represented here. We thank you for your faithfulness as even 
Josh has said to him uh, from the very beginning, thank you, Lord, that you continually are working with him and his wife, Nina, just the providence of God, your sovereign hand upon them, the amazing way uh, with really signs and wonders how you've brought them to this place up to this point. Father, we just honor you for that. We thank you for that. We ask you for continued favor, continued blessing upon him, upon the church plant as well. We ask you, Father, to just pour out your spirit upon them. I pray that you would move in ways that seem impossible. We do pray for laborers. We pray for finance. We do pray for new believers to to come into the church or to come to the church and become believers. We ask you for blessing. We ask you for prospering. We ask you for more of yourself in their midst so that they continue to be a blessing uh, to the nation of Sweden. Thank you so much to hear great stories and the story that you're writing with them. And we just commend them to you, to the word of your grace, knowing, Father, that you will continually lead them and guide them in the way that they should go. I pray they would sense your presence. They would sense your hand upon them. I pray there'd be tangible signs and evidence that you're with them and you're moving with them. I pray you'd open new doors. I pray that they'd have the faith to continually take new steps of faith. They continually grow in their confidence in you. I just pray for them as a family, as a couple with uh, new little kids. I pray you give them great wisdom with all of that. Father, I pray for resource and finance. We just ask you to bless them. We actually uh, honor you in what you've done with them. And we say, come Lord, and even do even greater things with them and through them for your namesake and for your glory. And everybody says, amen. Bless you.